All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. We'll pick up where we left off. We're at verse number 18. Matthew 4, 18. The Bible says in Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, You know, I'm, I'm often convicted when I read the Bible and I think about these things. The most important life that was ever lived with more to do than anybody ever had to do. And he never got in a hurry. Just walking. Walking in the will of his Father. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Well, the Bible says that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brethren Two brethren. These two brothers, Peter and Andrew, he calls them both at the same time. He wants both of them to follow him. He doesn't just call one. He calls both. We don't have a, as much information about Andrew as we do Peter, but Jesus wanted them both to follow him. This is a very unique thing, and I, I don't think I'd ever really thought about it too much because when you drop down from verse 18 and you get to verse 21 again, it says, And going on from thence he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. So you've got Peter and Andrew and you have James and John. They're both brothers. Also, if you want to look over at Acts chapter 1, it doesn't stop there with the twelve disciples. It's a very interesting fact, I think, that the 12 men that followed the Lord Jesus Christ, half of them had a brother that was also a disciple. Not only Peter and Andrew and James and John, but as we look in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 13, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where both abode Peter and James John and Andrew, those are the four that we're introduced to here in Matthew chapter 4. Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. Now that's our writer, that's the book we're studying. Matthew, and then he says, 
James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. So James the son of Alphaeus and Judas the brother of James. These are also a pair of brothers that are following Christ. So you have three sets of brothers that make up half of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that significant? I think as we follow Jesus Christ, He wants the family to follow Him. He doesn't want Peter going this way and Andrew going another way in his life. He's not just calling John. He wants James. He wants them on the same page. What a blessing to be able to serve together with with your family. And it's not just you have made that decision, but your brother made the decision just like you did. I mean, one of them could have said yes, and one of them could have said no. But all three sets of these brothers, they all said yes to the Lord. I think that's just a wonderful, wonderful example. Thank God that one of them wasn't out in the left field on the Internet telling what a cult it was that his brother was in. Wasn't that a blessing? James would just say, well, glory to God, John's following him, just like I am. Andrew saying, well, praise the Lord, I made the decision first, but Peter got in on it, praise the Lord. And I don't know about these other two guys as well, but they're also brothers. And I just, that's what I want to tell you, God wants the, the family to follow. Families should follow Jesus Christ together. You know, that wasn't true. In the personal family of our Lord. His mother believed on him. I know Joseph believed on him, but he seems to be the dead off the scene. Something happened to him. He was gone by the time Jesus started his ministry. But the half-brothers... Matter of fact, they're sort of in his face, you know. If you're all who you say you are, show yourself to the world. They, the Bible says his brethren didn't even believe on him. I say that's sad. Now, thank God afterwards they got, back, they got in on it. After the resurrection, you'll find them with, with the church. Praise the Lord for that. But for a good time in Jesus Christ's own family, the Son of God... His own family wasn't even believing on him. I just say that's a shame. And I think it breaks the heart of God when families don't go the same way together. As a missionary, what I have watched on the mission field, listen to me guys, there are Greek Orthodox people that would not trust Christ as their Savior because they said, if my family is in hell, then I'm going to go there too. I cannot believe your message because if I believe your message, I have to acknowledge that all my family is lost because they weren't trusting in grace alone and faith alone and Christ alone. And and I just can't bring myself to deny my family. 
I say, brother, if people can stick together as a family over heresy and go to hell together as a family, why shouldn't families go to heaven together? And why shouldn't they follow Jesus together? And why shouldn't they believe the Bible together? Muslims are loyal to one another. And yet you'll find one child grow up in a family and he'll go one way and Another child will grow up in the family and he'll live for Jesus. I want to say, let's get the brothers together. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was in this church preaching. I I was pastoring in Virginia and Joel brought me down here to preach. And it was the first time, I don't know who was here. Were you here when... um, my brother had a, a conference, first time he ever had a conference, had morning services and evening services. Brother Hank Thompson was here. First time Brother Jim Fleur ever preached here. It was morning. This was a long time ago. This was red hair on the top. and I mean, this was a long time ago. I don't even know what year. Could you help me with that, somebody? I don't Leave it to Brother Gibson. 99. 1999. That was a while ago. I never forget. That was the first time Brother Brother Hank and Brother James Knox ever met each other. Brother Hank Thompson went up to my mother and dad in the parking lot and said, I've got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> they looking at him. And he said, Mom will remember it. He said, Why didn't you not have any more children? I'm just saying, isn't it a blessing when families are on the same page? Young people, don't break the heart of God. Don't break your own heart. Don't break your parents' heart and go off in left field and believe something different. You're not going to find anything good out there. This is a real deal, and if you hadn't found it yet, you need to get saved because this is a real deal. The Bible is the real deal. And thank God the two brothers are in it together. Aren't you glad one brother's saying, don't, don't go to the altar? Don't follow him. We got to. They're not only brethren; they're in business together. And I don't think both of them look. Are you going? What are you going? I think both of them were determined in their heart and by their own conscience and their own conviction. We need to follow Jesus Christ. And I would say this, sir. If you're a father, a husband here, you need to determine to follow Jesus Christ. And, and ma'am, it doesn't matter that your husband loves the Lord. and You need to determine to love him too and you need to follow Jesus Christ. And young people, you ought to love the Lord Jesus Christ and want to follow him as well. I'm just saying it should be a family thing. And I don't think it's any coincidence that there are three sets of brothers following Jesus Christ as his apostles in this world. Out of twelve In the whole world. And half of them are related to each other. Faith of our fathers living still. Faith of our mothers living still. 
Faith of our brothers and our sisters. May the Lord help us to keep the same family tradition, not the same family tradition of sin, not the same family tradition of of, of whatever you do for the holidays, but the family tradition of we want to love Jesus Christ and we want to serve Jesus Christ and we want to follow Jesus Christ together. I know Daddy followed the Lord, but I want to follow the Lord. I know my brother followed the Lord, but I want to follow him too. It's my decision. And we can't make that choice for one another. Each of these people have to make it for themselves. But oh, what a blessing when the family says, yes, we want to all follow him. The first thing I see in this passage is that families should follow Jesus together. The second thing I see is that simple people should follow Jesus. Just simple people. The Bible says in our text in verse number 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Andrew, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. Watch the phrase, for they were fishers. Now, I don't know if you would glorify the fishing trade. I don't know too many people say, What do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? He said, I tell you what, I want to fish. Now, he may want to fish as a hobby. But fishing as a occupation is not glamorous. <laughs> it's a stinky occupation. Just a common. Le- it, it, it's not on the top of the gene pool. Do you understand to be a fisherman? These aren't people that that. <laughs> you know why they're fishermen? Because they didn't go to school. I never forget my, uh, my my dad's family came to him and and he was he, he was the first that went to college right and graduated for the first in all of his family to do that and uh, they said you know we want you to go to college because you we don't want you to be stuck amen uh, picking cotton all your life and he had some brains about him now now I'm, there's nothing wrong with picking cotton there's nothing wrong with being a farmer but I'm I, what I'm trying to tell you is. People that want a higher occupation in life have to go to school to get the understanding to be able to have the qualifications to be. Right? Unless you're like hard up like American military is right now. Now now they've changed it and they'll take dropouts. That's a brand new thing, by the way. You, You had to have some kind of level of education for you to be able to have this occupation. They're, they didn't hire Brother Bill. I maybe shouldn't say or I'll, he'll have to kill me. They, they didn't hire Brother Bill and these other men that work in sensitive areas because they look nice. Brother Bill is the most congenial man I think I've ever met in my life. I love Brother Bill. But you're not going to turn over sensitive and important work to a guy just because he's a nice guy. No, 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 no Brother Bill. I, I, know, I know he looks just like just a nice person. He, he's, he's, he's higher in the food chain than you are, most of you. I'm serious. But when you go to a fisherman, what did you learn how to do, sir? Well, didn't get to go to school, but Daddy taught me how to do this. 
What do you know, sir? Tell me about your qualifications. Well, I can do this. Tell me your talent, Andrew. Well, my talent is I know how to get in the boat without it sinking. Guys, however you want to cut that, that is just not all that impressive. Wouldn't you say so? You know what I think? I think some of us have talked ourselves out of thinking the Lord doesn't want us to follow him because we're not all that impressive. And Jesus could have picked anybody in the world to follow him. And he says, let's see here. I want these simple people. I want these ignorant people. I tell you what, you're not too dumb to follow Jesus. You may be too smart to follow Jesus. But you're not too dumb. You say, preacher, I don't have much to offer the Lord. I don't have a lot of talents. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you work a job? These are just guys that that work jobs. The Lord Jesus Christ, if he walked in here to pick somebody to do something for him, he wouldn't say, "Uh, what, what is your experience with teaching the Bible? How good a speaker are you? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Do you think Peter ever taught a Sunday school class? Do you ever think they stopped and said, James, would you stand up and do synagogue today? These are the hard-working men that would file in on the Sabbath day in the synagogue and plop down after working all week. They were just hard-working, simple men. If it was today, Jesus would come. He'd come to construction worker. Now, Matthew, he was a stinking IRS agent. takes all kinds but Matthew's not teaching Sunday school he's dealing with money you know what's so interesting about that you know if it, if you would have been you and I had been Jesus Christ as soon as Matthew started following we said I tell you what we need to take this bag of money and we need to let Matthew be the accountant because this guy he knows money this was his job Jesus didn't give Matthew the bag you know why? Because <laughs> we're fixing to get to it. Every man that he called to follow him, he changed their occupation. <laughs> I'm not building on the things that you think are so great. I'm going to make you something that you can't make yourself, that you've never even, you, you don't have the experience. I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to mold you and make you. Preacher, what can I do? I'm just, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of talent. I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't have a lot of education. I, I can't speak very well. Yeah, there's Moses for you. Simple men. You're not too dumb and you're not too poor and you're not too unimportant and you're not too untalented. 
The Lord says, I want simple people to follow me. So quit giving yourself an out saying, I don't have anything to offer the Lord when probably he's coming to you saying, will you follow me? You think Elisha did anything for God? He was a plowman. What do you do for a living, sir? I plow this field. Well, do you have any ministerial experience? Ha! I got experience with mules. Elisha, have you ever done a miracle? I put stuff in the ground and took it out. We're talking about a hero of God. Just a simple man. I almost preached instead of going through Matthew. I almost went to Amos. and preached out of Amos. Amos is a wonderful prophet character in the Bible. You know what he said? I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't even a prophet's son. I was a herdman. And I was a picker of sycamore fruit. What are your qualifications to serve God? Well, I pick fruit. You know what? I heard some of those things one day and sitting in a pew at about 14 years old, God said, won't you throw away your excuses and just follow me? (laughs) Because I want simple people to follow me. Like a shepherd. David, what do you do? Well, I just watch these sheep. Hmm. God says probably make a good king. Now that doesn't mean you can be overqualified either because then we find people like Luke, the beloved physician. He was a doctor. Do you know what God did for Luke? He said, I got something else for you to doctor. Guys, can you see the picture? We're fishing for me, we're fishing for fish. And Jesus said, No, I'm gonna have you fish for men. And Luke, he's doctoring, doctoring people's bodies. And the Lord says, yeah, but I'm going to have you doctor their soul, their spirit on the inside. The plowman's plowing the field. And God says, yes, but I'll, Elisha, you're going to be plowing the hearts of people. And, and David, yes, you may be insignificant keeping those sheep, but I got some other people I need you to keep. Call simple people. I think this is only the Son of God would call fishers to be the men that would change the world. Following Jesus should be a family thing. Following Jesus is for simple people. And then following Jesus, as I just said, changes your occupation. Watch it. He said in verse number 19. He saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Guys, I'm going to change you. I'm going to change what you do. You're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. I'm going to change your occupation. Now, Now, mind you, even after the resurrection, they still fish. But that's not the purpose of their life anymore. Guys, there has got to be something more or greater for you than just punching a clock. Yeah, maybe you're fishing, 
for fish and, and, and maybe you're, you're a banker and, and, and maybe you're whatever you are, but that's not, that's not your true occupation. Our vocation is to follow Jesus. If God wants you to follow Jesus down at the water plant or follow Jesus down at the schoolhouse or, or follow Jesus at, at the arsenal or follow Jesus wherever you are, your occupation is following Jesus. That, that's your occupation. He changes the purposes of our lives. And if the purpose of your life is just go to work and pay the bills, then you don't really have a very good purpose to live. Because one day that's going to be over. And if only what's done for Christ will last, then, then you say, preacher, then what, what am I doing for Christ? Well, you can connect your daily life with the things of God and the things of eternity. And that's one reason we have missions conference, because the reason we have a job is so we can take that job and meet the needs of our family and get involved in the work of God Amen. as a means to an end. You guys are fishing for fish. I'm going to change your occupation. I wondered tonight, do you fish for men? That's your occupation. Do you fish for people? Now, those people you fish for could be your kids. That'd be a pretty good catch if you could catch your children. Wouldn't it? Some people, don't, some people aren't able to do that. And by the way, when you fish, what a wonderful analogy of the Lord. When you fish, you don't, you don't take the boat out there and say, Hey, get in the boat! You don't even go out there and say, Repeat after me, I'm a fish! What do you do for fish? Man, guys, unless you're fishing in an aquarium, it takes time. It takes Effort and half the time you go out there, you don't catch anything. And so that's that's why it's called fishing and not catching. We're fishing. Are you fishing for your children, or do you just expect them to jump in the boat? You got anything you're luring your children toward the Lord Jesus Christ with? Said, preacher, that sounds weird. I don't want to. I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm talk, talking about luring them into the things of God. Look, the devil's going to lure them into the things of, of the world. Why can't we show them that and, and say, hey, come on. Did, did, not, did not Agrippa say, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian? You know what that fisherman's doing? He, and I'm not a real good fisherman. That fisherman's trying to persuade that fish to. To be his. You know you want it. I remember fishing up in the. I loved when I, when I was younger. Up in the Virginia mountains. We'd, they'd stock trout in all those rivers. And those mountains. We'd go up in those mountains. And i have one of them little micro rods. You know that just made the fight. Seem like you're you know. Fighting a hundred pound fish. When it's just a trout you know. But I remember I would be in that stream. And you could see them. You could see the fish. And we, we'd take our bait and we'd throw it over there. And I, mean, I know, man, I'm going to come right by those trout right there. And, and we'd, let, we'd let that stream float that bait right down by that trout. And they'd just go on by and they just paid it no mind. 
try it again. Maybe they didn't see it. <laughs> no, they saw it. They didn't want it. You know what's wrong with us trying to reach some of, some of our people? They don't want what we're offering. So after a few times, you know what, what, what a fisher would do? Tell you what, I'm going to throw this bait away. Give me a mealworm. Put a mealworm on there. Bang! Well, I'm not going to keep fishing with, with salmon eggs if they're biting mealworms. Guys, somehow we've got to fish for men and we've got to try. It's all the gospel. It's, it's not a substitute. It's Jesus. But we've got to maybe change the way we approach people or the way we're offering Christ to people. Jesus did that. He did not speak to Nicodemus like he spoke to the woman at the well. You know why? It wouldn't work. He didn't preach hell and damnation to everybody. Matter of fact, here's a woman taking adultery in the very act. He didn't say a word to her about condemnation. And she's guilty as sin. He just says, you know, you know, ma'am, all your accusers are gone. They got sins just like you. I'm not even I'm not gonna condemn you. I'm not gonna pick up a rock and stone you. Even though the Bible says you deserve to be stoned. But ma'am, you're free to go, but don't sin anymore. How tender. I, I, I bet that woman got up and bawled her eyes out. Five seconds before she's thinking this is the holy spotless lamb of God that knows everybody's sins of all these people that were standing around and they're all gone and I'm just left looking at him. That'd be a scary place, brother, uh, somebody that knows everything about you more than just that act. Everything. And I'm sure she said, man, he's going he's gonna to stone me. Here comes. And he speaks peace to that woman. Bet she got up. I don't know, but I can just see her getting up saying, Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. He didn't fish for her the same way. He stood out there to some people and said, You generation of vipers. He didn't fish for everybody that way. Guys, I'm afraid sometimes we are stuck in a rut fishing with the wrong bait. I'm not saying that the gospel's not true. I'm not saying that Jesus is not the only way. I'm not saying change the message. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the way you fish. The way you're trying to reach people. Maybe the way you're going to have to reach, Brother Simon, maybe the way you're going to have to reach your boy is going to be a totally different way than you're going to have to reach your daughter. You can't be so simplistic to know that, well, I'm just going to do this, and amen, they can lump it, or lump it, they, they, whatever, I don't care, this is the way we're going to do it. Do you want to reach them? Do you want them in the boat? You know, all fish don't bite the same thing. He 
He said, I'm going to make you guys fishers of men. I'm going to change your occupation. And I want you to be going after people instead of going after money. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. Somewhere, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You don't have to be a missionary on a foreign field. But if you're saved by the grace of God, you're supposed to be following Jesus. And if you're following Jesus, you're supposed to be fishing for men. You're not supposed to be fishing for money. And you're not supposed to be fishing for retirement. And you're not supposed to be fishing for success. And you're not supposed to be fishing for a better life. You're supposed to be fishing for people. All of us. Aren't you glad somebody went fishing for you? Who are you fishing for? So what we've done and we've said, well, here's what we do. We'll have seminars on how to be a good fisherman. You know what I really think? I think these guys probably didn't know a flip about reaching people. I don't even think they're people, persons. They're just simple guys, hardworking people. If you'd have put Peter in front of 5,000 people, he'd have fainted. What what does he know about that? Doesn't know anything about that. I know my boat. That's like taking a mechanic, amen, and and putting him in front of 5,000 people on the mission field and say, preach the gospel. He knows how to fix cars. Watch this. This is great. Jesus said in verse 19, He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is something I'm going to make you. Listen. The reason that we're not able to do what God wants us to do so many times We haven't followed him long enough for him to make us into something else. Jesus made these men what they were. They didn't know a thing about preaching. They didn't know a thing about reaching people. They didn't know a thing about teaching the Bible. They're common, ordinary, ignorant, unlearned, simple people. But Jesus said, look... You're not going to have to go to a seminar to do this. You're not going to have to have a... You're not not something you're going to aspire to be or to do. I'm going to make you this. You follow me, and the more you follow me, the more I'm going to make you what you need to be. Guys, and I've seen this in, in, in my generation as they grew up. There's been a generation that wanted to do so much for the Lord that they didn't follow the Lord long enough to become what God was trying to make them to be. It's not just learning how to... I've had guys come up to me and say, Preacher, teach me how to preach. How to do... Young men, I want to know how to preach. Teach me how to do that. It's not the inflection of your voice and it's not the, 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 the perfection of your outline. It's what God Almighty makes you to be. Here's a question. Have you followed him long enough where he's made you something you're not? Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're still in that process of following. You know, on the first couple of days, he, he didn't throw them out there in the water to swim on their own. You, you guys just keep walking with me. Just keep following me. And I'll make you something. 
It's almost like that prodigal. When that prodigal came back to the father, you know what he said? He said, Father, make me. That's a great statement. Not what I'm going to make myself, but what you'll make me. I'm telling you what, what the world needs is God made men. What the world needs is God made mothers and God made wives and God made young people. For God to make us, but he can't make us anything if we're not following him. Jesus doesn't make people something that aren't following him. Maybe you can fish for your children. Maybe you can fish for your co-workers. Maybe you can fish for a stranger. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Families should follow Jesus, simple people following Jesus. Following Jesus changes your whole occupation, who you are, changes who you are. We're not talking about you being a pastor. We're talking about you doing wherever you are in life as a Christian, being changed by God Almighty right where you are to reach people that are around you. then last thing following Jesus requires you to leave something would you look at the text verse 20 and they straightway left their nets and followed him keep reading and going on from thence he saw the two brethren James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. When Jesus said, follow me, that means they had to leave what their heart was on and what they wanted to do and what their plans were. They left their nets. They left the ship. By the way, leaving a net is one thing. Leaving a ship is a little bit higher. Oh, I left the net. I can get another one tomorrow. You leave the ship. You, you, you see the progression? They left the net. They left the ship. And then it said they left their father. That must have been pretty hard. It always requires. Hold your finger there. Go to Matthew chapter 16. If we're going to follow Jesus Christ, it requires us to leave some things. Your nets, by the way, you know what a net is? It's, it's, it's something stuff gets tangled up in. In that case, notably fish. You know what will be good? If you'll follow Jesus Christ, God will remove the things that tangle you up. People are so entangled. Their life is like a fishing line. Amen. You take some of these fishing lines, it gets all tangled up. How many, can I get a witness on that? You know what I'm talking about. And amen, you can't get five scientists to undo that fishing, fishing line when it's all tangled up. You just say, well, forget it. And you just cut bait. Too tangled. You know what's happened to people? They're all tangled up. Tangled up in a net. Won't you just cut bait and follow Jesus? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You can't follow Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about following Jesus Christ. There were multitudes of people that believed on Christ, but there was, there was very few that actually followed him, you see. We find ourselves in the upper room in Acts chapter 1, and you got 120 people. That's it in the whole world that's following Jesus Christ. You know why? Because people don't want to leave things. They don't want to leave their nets. They don't want to leave their ship. They don't want to leave their father. And they don't want to leave their self. They don't want to leave their own selfish plans and dreams. They have to leave something. The disciples said in Matthew chapter 19, we won't have to turn. They said, Lord, we have forsaken all and followed thee. They really they not only left their nets, and they not only left the ship, and they not only left their father, and they not only left their self, but they left everything ultimately. You know why? Because nothing matters but Jesus. Nothing is more important than Jesus. And whatever I have to give up to follow Jesus, Jesus is more important. I want to notice, but by, by the way, what they left, look up there at that first, with those first two brothers. The Bible says with those first two brothers in verse number, um, where is it? Oh, verse number 21, I'm sorry. It says they're in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. You know what they're doing? They're leaving stuff that's already broken anyway. You see that? Their nets are already messed up. You know, it ought to be so easy to follow Jesus Christ because everything everything everyone else is following is all messed up anyway. They're having to mend their nets. You know why? They're broken. Shouldn't be hard to leave something that's broken. Then have the value on it, you see. They said, we're going to follow the Lord. I see something else here. The Bible says in verse number 21, they were men, those two brothers were mending their nets. And verse number 18, these other two brothers, they were casting a net into the sea. So here's what I want to say about that. Jesus asked these guys to follow them that were busy doing something. Now, Jesus is walking. I've walked on the shores of Galilee. I was hoping for a charismatic experience, but I didn't get one. When you get to walk on the shore of Galilee where Jesus walked, that, that's, I think that's pretty big stuff. I got alone out there. I was singing, you know, and praying. I was waiting for heaven to open. It didn't open. It's a beautiful day. But as I looked on the ground, I just wondered. I said, I wonder if he walked right here. And Jesus is just walking, walking all around the Sea of Galilee, just walking. And he sees some guys. And he says, they'll do. Now, what we want to think is there, there's this Calvinistic God that says, all right, Jesus, go down. There's these two people. You can't do it without them. Can I tell you what? Jesus could have done everything he did, he did without Peter and and without Andrew, it was their blessing they got in on what he was doing. They were available. He's just walking. Oh, there you are. 
I think Jesus passes by a lot of people. I wonder how many people he passed by and they said, get out of here, I don't want to do that. We don't have all, the, we do have two, two of their stories even in the book of Matthew. Remember that rich young ruler? He came to Jesus. And Jesus said, hey man, hey, why don't you sell all you have and follow me? He said that to that young man. You know what the guy did? He left. I wonder how many more people he said follow. You remember that one guy he said, he said follow me and he says, uh, my, my dad's died. You remember that? And he said, hey, let the dead go bury the dead. Follow me. I don't know if he did or not. I wonder how many people Jesus passed by that day. And he says, why don't you follow me? And they said, no, I'm too involved in my business. See, we don't read all that story. I wonder how many people he passed by that day and said, hey, would you follow me? And, and, and they, they didn't say yes. Matthew, the Bible says when Jesus Christ, the author of this book, when Jesus Christ walked he walked past Matthew at the receipt of custom. He's busy working his job. Just like James and John are busy working their job. Just like Peter and Andrew are busy working their job. They are busy. They are involved. They are active. And he walks by Matthew and he looks at Matthew and he says, follow me. And immediately Matthew left his job. Just left it right there. I don't know who got the money. He just got up and followed him. Here's what I want to say about that. They were all busy. You know what? We'll probably never hear the voice of God as long as we're doing nothing. I don't believe God will even use somebody that spends all their time doing nothing. He'll go find somebody that works on cars. Or digs a ditch. Are you listening to me? All these guys are busy doing something. How many people in life, especially in our generation, are just are just turning their wheels? It's like these stupid little things they twist in their fingers to keep them from being so nervous. What's it called? Huh? A what? No, a fit. What? Fidget. I knew there was somebody that had a problem. Fidget. A fidget. I asked somebody one time, what does that do? Oh, nothing. Just keeps me, keeps my mind. Amen. If you milk cows all day, you won't have time to fidget. Isn't that right? If, you, if you're out plowing a field all day, you, don't, you ain't going to have time to do that. I think half our society's gone insane because they ain't got nothing to do. I'm serious. Keep your mind occupied or God knows where it'll go. Here's these, here's these guys. They're working. And Jesus said, okay, there's a hardworking guy. Why don't you follow me? He didn't say that to people that weren't doing anything. And this is what I'm finished, church. But this is what I want to show you most of all as I close this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 20, And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Verse number 22, And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. No hesitation at all. 
follow me. Immediately. Follow me. Straightway. This is such a big decision. You would have thought they would have said, Hey, Lord, before I do that, I got some questions. No questions. You'd think they'd say, Okay, Lord, you want us to follow? Where are we going? Is that a normal question? If I'm going to follow you with us wherever you go, I'd like to know where you're going. Have you ever had somebody that, you're, that, that says, why don't you get in your car and follow me? And you never even ask where they're going? Well, man, you may drive to Maine. Jesus didn't tell them where he was going. He just said, follow me. And they did it immediately. They didn't have to have all the details. Well, I just wonder if this is going to be worth it. No, no questions. It was just like Abram. God told Abram, get thee out of that country unto a land that I will show thee. I'm not even going to tell you where it is. The Bible in Hebrews said that Abraham went out not knowing whither he went. He wouldn't even know where he was going. But he knew who he was following. <laughs> we got so many people that want to know where they're going and they don't even know who they're following. I'd say it's better for you not to even know where you're going and just follow Jesus. Wherever he leads will be the best for your life. And wherever the path of your life you want to take is probably not going to work out. I say this is an amazing thing immediately. I, I watch people have for years in church. We'll have an invitation time, you know, and somebody, God, you know God's spoken to their heart, and they'll hesitate. And they'll look and see if anybody else has responded. That's like lost people. If you've ever witnessed the two lost people and one of them about ready to get saved, and he'll look, he'll look at the other one, and if the other one hesitates, then they'll hesitate. You know what we do all the time, people of God? We hesitate. We don't follow the Lord immediately. We don't respond straightway. We've got to roll it around and see if this is really what we want to do. You know what else they didn't do? Peter and Andrew and James and John said, Lord, we'd love to do that. Give us about ten minutes. We've got to go run, the, run to the house and check with Mama. I got to go ask my wife. Can you not see we're in a totally different society? You know, Peter does have a wife because he has a mother in law. God forbid anybody wants a mother in law without a wife. (laughs) Peter's married. He doesn't go ask his wife. You know why? Because his wife doesn't run his house. And none of these guys could have wives that way. Let me ask you ladies. If God puts something on your husband's heart to do, would he have to ask you first? I know we live in a different time, 
But way back in the Bible, I remember Joshua standing up before all the people of God and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't even ask Miss Joshua. That was his declaration for his family. And I know we live in a different day, and I know all the nuances of that, but if you are a dear lady in this congregation, do not be a domineering force in your house because you may just keep your house from not following God. And it's not good for you, and it's not good for your husband, and it's sure going to destroy your children. And if you are a man in this church, it don't even matter if you've got the best wife in the world. It's just like these guys' wives. If you're not willing to leave all and follow Jesus Christ, you're, you're just as much as bad as the domineering wife that, that the guy can't do nothing because she's got him by the nap of the neck. I'm just in the text. And I'm just thinking. And here's these guys working their job hard. And Jesus walked by and said, hey. He didn't even say, he didn't even ask them. You know, the Lord's not asking us to follow. He's telling us because it's the best thing for all of us. And I'm just thinking what's going on in their minds. For them to leave the ship and to leave their father and to leave their nets and to forsake all. How can they come to that Immediately. I guess he was just the most captivating thing they'd ever seen. He was the most impressive thing that ever walked by their path. And there was nothing to deliberate and there was no hesitation to have because it's a privilege. To follow Jesus. You're saved here tonight. You work your job. You live your life. But Jesus says, follow me. Anywhere. Everywhere. Follow me. The world behind you, the cross before you. If none go with me, still I will follow I'm asking you, church, I'm glad you're in church tonight, but I really want to know, are you going to follow Jesus? I'm glad you look like a Christian tonight, but I want to ask you, are you willing to follow Jesus? Have you made that decision?